All right, welcome to the pre-Chicago Muskie Expo episode of Backlash Podcast. This week we are going to talk to Gavin Falk and Ryan Teach of St. Croix Rods. Uh, we have the engineering supervisor and the brand manager, and we're going to kind of break down their rod lineup. You know, Brad, I know you've been working extensively with St. Croix Rods for probably the past six months or so. They're featured in Mayhem's 10,000 Casts. And, of course, now TeamRhinoOutdoors.com, you can also buy many of the St. Croix rods that are talked about in today's episode. So that's kind of what's going on. And we are also going to be, like I said, this is the Pre-Chicago Muskie Expo episode. And we're going to see you in Kane County Fairgrounds on January 20th, 21st, and 22nd. So if you're one of our most loyal listeners that comes out and listens to every pod- podcast on a Wednesday, you know, that'll be uh, a couple days from now. And if you're, you know, if you're listening on uh, the following Monday, then you missed us. You're going to have to come see us in Milwaukee. But hopefully this reaches a lot of people before that show, and we hope to see many of you out at the show. And if you do come out, you know, feel free to stop by and introduce yourself. Like I said, I mean, Brad doesn't bite. I do a little bit. I know Carrie doesn't. She's the nicest of all of us. And if you listened a while back on a, on an episode, there was something I said that if you if you did at that show, you uh you know you can win a win a little bit of something. So I'm not going to give it all away. I can't remember what episode it was, but I teased something. Carrie, you remember that, right? She's looking at me like she doesn't know. <laughs> remember, remember Carrie something? Oh yeah, yep, I remember now. I don't remember that. That's because you weren't. That's because you weren't there, Brad. Yeah, that makes sense. I don't remember. Well, what, do you do you have any idea what episode it was and where was Brad? Why were you and I just doing podcasts together? That's odd. Well, was he in Ohio? I don't, no, I don't know where he was. I that would have been back in December. It was a while ago. It was. It was a while ago, and I told people I wasn't going to remind them, but so I gave them a a, a half reminder but I won't give them the rest of the whole thing. You're going to have to go back and find the episode on it. It'd be in one of the intros. So you only got to listen 10 minutes in on each episode for the past six weeks. So good luck finding it. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Jeff. I'll I'll give a little hint there though. Plain and simple. I'm pretty sure that it would have been that, that first week of December ish somewhere in there. First, second week. um, Thinking it was Fred. Why did you narrow it down? I wanted the twenty people that listen to the <laughs> podcast to go back and listen to the first ten minutes of six episodes, so we could get ourselves a few extra downloads. <laughs> well, it, might, it might be. Uh, it might be different. Than it that. might be different than that. I don't know. They're gonna have to listen close. Yep. It's a very, it's very brief and it's whatever I, I actually you can get away even further. If it's just me and Carrie doing the intro and Brad's not there, that's the episode. Cause I don't think that Brett, Carrie and I have done that many episodes with the intro by ourselves. Maybe not this winter, maybe not this past summer, the summer before, maybe we did a few of them, but, um, that's yeah. about it. So, well, I gave, I gave away a two week window. You just gave it all away basically on the first two minutes. Well, there you go. There you go. Listen. Well, I don't know. I don't know for sure that it was in the first two minutes. It might have been somewhere else in there. But I gave it away in the sense that if it's me and Carrie, then you know that's that's right. So yeah, right, right. Well, we're kind of doing something as a giveaway as well, Jeff. And I, I know Carrie's had it out there on social media. But literally, if somebody wears a musky mayhem tackle hat of their choice, I don't care which one it is, and they stop by the booth, they can enter for a prize package that we will do a drawing the week after the show, ship them out kind of a neat little package if they want to participate. So all you got to really do is wear your favorite Musky Mayhem Tackle hat or purchase one in our booth. And guess what? They can enter to, uh, to win a prize pack. We're going to do a drawing. I think they should get two entries if they actually show up with a Backlash podcast hoodie because there's about 12 of them out there. <laughs> what's that carrie i have two you have two of them well then there's like 10 people potentially and i have one so maybe there's nine people you know re- remarkably it never fails i will put the backlash hoodie on and i'm in the shop and guess what carrie walks in the shop and she's wearing the same hoodie too so i don't know what it is about that but it happens all the time it's kind of strange that's funny good minds stick alike i guess huh or maybe we need different clothes. Yeah, I mean, that, that, that could be. I was trying to give you two some credit, you know, but. <laughs> well, for this episode, I said it early, uh, earlier, but um, 
I am wearing my Team Rhino sweatshirt, and uh, I have my St. Croix hat on for this one. So it should be interesting. It should be fun to, to visit with these guys and hopefully learn a little bit more about their products. And like I said earlier, you know, you, we carry St. Croix rods on our website, but if you're stopping out at the show, we're going to be, we're going to have a bunch of St. Croix there. So, you know, stop on out and check them out, put your hands on them, you know, and, uh, and, and get a chance to play around with them. There's not, you know, if you're looking at the new grasp series, it's new and there's not many, you know, people that have actually probably had it in their hand. So this is certainly an opportunity for you to do that. You know, a couple other things I just make notes about on the web or on on the show is, you know, people are looking to get their hands on RS net. We also have uh, just the other day a bunch of those showed up. So if you're looking to get a net, you can save yourself uh, whatever the thirty-five dollars in shipping charge, and you can get one at the show. And so we have those there. And also, you know, people just want to you know touch them and feel them and see what they're about. So shows are always a good time to get out there and check out new products. Get yourself you know thinking about musky season because. Although it seems like it's a far, you know, like it's a long ways away, but it'll be here before we know it. Yeah, absolutely. The season's just around the corner, that's for sure. Yeah, you know, you're talking a little bit, Jeff, about new products, and the new product for Musky Man Tackle this year is the new Mini Grenade. Now, I know that you already have them in stock, Jeff, and there's a couple other retailers that uh, are selling them at this point. But, uh, you know, the show is always kind of the platform that we've always chosen to use as the um the methodology i guess of releasing a new bait and this time uh fortunately we got far enough ahead that we were able to get it in some retailers hands and and uh i i think people are going to be pleasantly surprised you know the big grenade that we came out with last year i think a lot of people look at it and they go wow that thing's really big it's 13 inches long right but Honestly, this mini grenade kind of uh, fits the mold just a little bit better for the general public, I would say. We're super excited about it. And you will be able to see it. I can't remember which episode. I think it's number four or number five on Mayhem's 10,000 cast. It performed, and it performed after dark even. So definitely going to see some fish getting caught on the TV program. If you have interest in those mini grenades, come check us out or come check out Team Rhino Outdoors. They have some customs. and I I think they're going to be well-received, actually, Jeff. The other thing, the other side to this is a good friend of mine who uh, is a fly tire and basically can produce pretty much anything. He has done some custom-tied grenades as well as mini grenades using bucktail hair, wampa, flashaboo, and squimpish. So if you're not a fly tire, you probably don't know what those, some of those products are. But they turned out really cool, and you can check out Mayhem's, uh, Musky Mayhem Tackle's uh, social stuff, like the Facebook as well as Instagram, for some of those photos of those products. They're first come, first serve. We've had tons of people reach out and say, hey, I want one, I want one. The only way you're going to get one at this point, because there is tons and tons of time into tying these things. So I think we have 10 regular grenades and we have six if i'm not mistaken mini grenades so oh there's 11 big grenades okay 11 and six sorry but uh they're unique they're very cool and uh when you see them in the water it blows your mind so something to definitely check out but other than that i think uh i've got all my stuff off the cuff all right well, I got to say it. I say it every episode. If you're looking for gear for your next musky fishing adventure, check out TeamRhinoOutdoors.com and MuskyMayhemTackle.com. And with all that aside, hopefully we'll see you in Chicago this weekend. And we're, we'll see you in Milwaukee if you missed this episode and it's too late. And let's get our uh, conversation rolling with Gavin and Ryan from St. Croix. All right, our guests this week are Gavin Falk and Ryan Teach, and they both represent St. Croix Rods. We have the engineering supervisor and the brand brand manager. So, guys, I want to thank you for taking time out of your schedule today to talk about St. Croix Rods. Happy to be here, Jeff. Yeah, thanks for the opportunity. I appreciate it as well. All right, so let's start with Gavin. You know, Gavin, your first time on the podcast Let's let's uh, kind of get the the background. What what are your job duties? I guess at Saint Croix. Maybe what? How did you end up even at Saint Croix? How long you've been there? And kind of lay out your history a little bit. Because, I mean, I, I don't know. I'm I'm assuming when you, you know, when you were a young kid, your dream wasn't necessarily to work at Saint Croix Rods. I mean, maybe it was, and and if it is, that's cool. But 
usually, you know, our paths in life take us a little different spot. I didn't feel, I didn't think that I was going to do this when I was younger. Yeah, sure. So I, um, actually went to college at the university of Wisconsin Platteville and then right out of school, I was actually looking into a field service job. I actually had that all lined up. And then, uh, my dad actually reached out to me about a job opportunity for an engineering position at St. Croix. And I thought, Hmm, that's, that's pretty interesting. So I, I was him and then hawing about it. And cause I didn't really think I, I would, uh, be looked at just because I was freshly out of school and didn't have a, have a lot of experience and whatnot. My dad actually pushed me, gave me some insights and, uh, I applied, went through the interview process and, Unfortunately for me, they, they offered me a position. And then from there, I made the transition over to St. Croix. I've been at St. Croix about six years now. I actually started out doing more process improvement projects, um, working my way into the engineering side, learning um, more on the design side, how the rods are actually modeled and whatnot. And then also picking away at learning all the little intricate details for each process, um, learning all the ins and outs on that side. And then about three years ago, I really uh, got my feet wet in designing the rods, pushing the drawings through manufacturing, working with the people on the floor to make sure all the details and information were there on the drawings to get them, get them set up for success. So, uh, we didn't have any issues running those drawings or fill materials to the floor. Um, I do a lot of blue sky work every once in a while where you get something in your head and we make a model 3D printed and, and see what everybody else thinks and make opportunities that way as well. Every day it seems like we're working with people on the floor to do either troubleshoot issues or think of new ways to make the processes better. And then Ryan, let's throw it over to you. Like, let's hear a little bit about your, uh, your background there. So, uh, I've been an angler all my life, first and foremost. I grew up in uh, the Southwest area of Wisconsin and was a really a Mississippi river kid. But the advantage that I had is that, uh, my parents actually had a place in Northern Wisconsin on the three lakes chain. So I got river experience and then I also had lake experience. I don't want to say it's a 50-50. It was actually probably more angling experience in northern Wisconsin than it was on the Mississippi, but I still have a very special place in my heart for both of those places. Being an angler, I went to college, uh, undergraduate, and then uh, when I got close to graduating from undergraduate, I had this crazy goal. Hey, I want to work for a Fortune 500 company. And Man, was that a dumb, dumb goal. So I, I did, and I got uh, spent some years in corporate America kind of was looking for an opportunity out. Lo and behold, there was an illness at my family business, uh, the business that I grew up as a part of. So I made the decision, my wife and I made the decision to transition back to family business. And then that illness ended up turning into a death in my family. So at that point in time, my dad and I kind of looked at each other like, do we really want to do this? Being what our family business was. And what I made the decision was in my life is that no, life's super short and you want to work at a career that really isn't work. I always tell my wife, it's amazing that Tinker actually pays me to do what I do. But uh, I, I actually put the put a goal towards it of working in the fishing industry. And I had a couple, couple opportunities out there. Uh, and I ended up knocking on the door at St. Croix because it was a brand that I believed in from a young age. And, and I took the, the opportunity that they had open at the time, which was to run our, our factory store. That ended up becoming a really important element of what I do now. So as a brand manager, I work a lot with our retailers. I work a lot with our anglers. And then I spend a lot of time with Gavin and our engineering team, not only answering questions about current product that's in the, market, that's in the marketplace for our uh, customer guide center, but also planning what our next generations of products is going to be. So we're just finishing up development on 2024 products. Uh, actually, last night, we just finished our last meeting on kicking off development for 2025 product. That's a major part of my day as our, as our brand manager. So my role at St. Croix went from factory store manager for a short period of time to product manager and then into being our brand manager, which touches everything from graphics to social posts, 
to managing those types of people that do those, to execute those things for us, to executing photo shoots. It's just on the Mississippi River doing an airboat perch trip uh, that people will see when we release an ice rod series. Uh, next year, those images are all incorporated into it. But the best way I can explain my role at St. Croix very simply is I'm like a professional collaborator. I work with every aspect of the business to assure that we're going in the right direction based off our anglers needs and our anglers demands and also the feedback that we're getting from our important retailers that we partner with to really deliver our rods to the marketplace. So guys, uh, you know, the history side of St. Croix, how many years has St. Croix been in existence and, you know, kind of maybe give a brief description of what that kind of looks like. So we're actually going to be, uh, we're going to be 75 uh, years old here, here coming up. We're going to celebrate that at our customer appreciation event we hold here at the factory here in June. Uh, you know, the business has changed a lot in those number of years. It went from being a very fly rod centric company to where we're at now. And although we may get looked at as a musky company or a bass company or even a saltwater company or a surf company to people on the coast, we're really a multi-species company. The rod series that is the oldest amongst anything that's still going, even in the industry as a rod series is still going, is Premier. And that has been with the St. Croix family, specifically the the Schluter family, for 66 of those 75 years. So rods have changed over time. Our building has changed. I love giving tours up here because if you you see our building, our building's built like a horseshoe. You know, it's not necessarily the most efficient building for what we're doing up here, but we we make it work. But it's just been added on to as St. Croix has grown and expanded. One of our other major expansions was owning our own facility in Fresno, Mexico with our, our St. Croix South facility. Uh, that building is actually way nicer than the one we have up here uh, in Park Falls because it was built to do just what it's doing. It started at one end of the building with raw carbon fiber and then get to the other side of the building with a rod, uh, in the bag, still 32 pairs of hands touching it along the way. And then that rod coming up here, uh, going to our new distribution center, uh, our new global distribution center, which is on the, uh, the South end of park falls that is now up and going. It doesn't look like much from the outside. We spent a lot of time on the inside. This summer will kick off or this spring will kick off a lot of the outside of it. So it'll look more like a St. Croix, uh, St. Croix building. When that rod gets up here, it goes through a number of uh, QC checks there as well and then gets prepared to go either directly to an angler or go on the shelf of a retailer. I don't know, Ryan, if you're, if you're confident or uh, feel comfortable talking about it, but what percentage is the musky like, versus, uh, say, the fly side versus the rest? I'm just kind of curious because, you know, I mean, the yeah. fly side obviously was a big part from what you just said. And was it musky next or how did that all kind of evolve? Actually, uh, fly is probably one of the smallest segments of our business now, uh, right there with, uh, with ice fishing. You know, the, the, you got to look at how big the markets really are. Um, ice fishing is such a, a very poignant group of states that participate in it. So that it's not that people in those states aren't interested in ice fishing. It's just that there's not that many states that participate in ice fishing. Uh, fly, the exact same thing. Muskie steps up into that mid-tier size. Muskie isn't as big as bass fishing, but it is growing leaps and bounds. And one of the most exciting things, I think, in the muskie community right now is working, you know, talking to somebody like, like Chase, who is, is muskie fishing in areas of the country that doesn't necessarily, they don't necessarily get that attention. It's great to see that muskie community expanding because that marketing or that, that muskie market is expanding at the same time. And we're just growing anglers and anglers exposure to uh, one of the most passionate uh, targeted fish out there. Yeah. You'll get no arguments from me. You know, the, the interesting thing is, is there is a lot of history when it comes to, you know, that Virginia, West Virginia, Ohio, those areas, uh, PA, uh, New York. I mean, but I think, a lot of times the musky community is just thought of as the Midwest and it's really not the case. I mean, definitely Wisconsin is a huge player in that. And I would say Minnesota follows with that, but there's a ton of growing musky anglers throughout the whole country. You're exactly right. It's fun from our perspective to see that grow and see the people that, you know, reach out to us and looking at where their information is from or where they're from, or, or actually looking at our POS data 
and seeing where we're actually shipping musky rods to. I mean, it, it is most definitely east of the Mississippi targeted, but there's some west of the Mississippi stuff going on for anglers that are interested that are either traveling to musky destinations or maybe they're already in a musky de- destination and that, that fish that they're targeting is right out their back door. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, the next part to this whole thing is I I would love to talk about the lineup and basically get like a brief description of both the casting and the trolling side, if we could go down that path. So if you look at um, the St. Croix offering a muskie rod, typically your intro rods start with Triumph muskie. I believe there are four different SKUs there. And those are mainly offered just to maybe get a kid interested or somebody who's maybe just a a part-time muskie angler who maybe only gets out a few times a year. And when you also look at uh, the tiers to the rod series, it'll step up based on um, components reuse usage as well as the actual carbon fiber free preg materials we use so as you go up in in price point uh the materials will um increase or become higher quality components as well so after triumph jumps up to premier premier musky uh that product is manufactured in the st Croix north facility so in park falls wisconsin it is made out of sc2 material it utilizes a standard uh, guide platform handle setup, a little more traditional in it being more of like a straight cork grip, as well as a traditional, a traditional straight trigger for the real seed. Um, there's, I believe, 26 SKUs. There might be a few more I'd have to look. So the offering increases there, and one of the key SKUs I'd like to highlight with that series is that rubber rod. I'd say about three or four years ago, we came out with that rod, and it kind of made a splash at the Chicago show as it was pretty much or it was totally different from anything that was offered in the industry at that time. Large rubber baits were really taking off a foothold in the musky market, and that was a rod we introduced to kind of combat or confront that uh that need from our anglers so from there it wasn't always but within the last three years we reimagined the mojo musky uh that utilizes sc3 ipc tooling so ipc tooling utilizes uh tooling that actually has curvature in the transition points of a fishing rod blank to make the power and the action transitions a little bit smoother so those blanks are actually a little bit lighter than, say, the SC2 or Premier rods. They utilize wind grips, which is a quite a bit different offering from anything else in our series. And then we also offer some telescopic models to combat uh, shipping costs and to get those longer rod lengths some of our anglers need. For the newest reimaginated series, Legend Tournament Muskie utilizes SC4 material. It's actually SC4 plus. So we use a higher mod material with that SC4 to make the blanks lighter, feel a little more crisp because of that high mod material. And then we also upgraded the handles to meet the needs of our anglers with modified split grip handles or full grip handles, depending on the technique that's being used for for rod. Uh, We added the St. Croix design grass seed, which is a pistol-style trigger instead of a traditional palming or straight trigger. And then it has upgraded guides, the Fuji tangle-free alkanite guides. This series also offers the five telescopic models as well, uh, like I said, to combat those shipping charges and then offer our anglers those longer rods. And then the highest end or the highest technology packed series for St. Croix is the Legend Elite Muskie that utilizes our SC5 material with ART. And then we also have uh, the traditional cork handles, a palming style trigger. And then what's different about these guys compared to, say, like Legend Tournament, they're titanium frames, so a little bit lighter. 
with um, silicon nitride RS ceramics, which are the lightest and most durable ceramics that are offered in the industry. Did you see any issues in the last couple of years, guys, with getting components? Have, have that ever presented an issue for St. Croix? Brad, we made a, a pretty aggressive move um, in credit to uh, our leader of our group in here, um, our, our CEO, Scott Forrest. So we actually were able to see that we were going to have some componentry challenges going into COVID. Uh, and we bought really aggressively. Number one, when you, you need to be able to do that, or to, to be able to do that, you need to be able to uh, you know, have the, the cash available to make it happen, and then also the space available to put your componentry in. So we made a, a pretty aggressive move going into COVID, bought componentry really hard, and then we thought we were going to be good with componentry, um, but then our brand grew, uh, retailer demand grew, everybody went fishing. I, I live on a lake, and it's it, it seemed like everybody went fishing during COVID and nobody went home Like from the start of COVID to the end, which uh, I know frustrated a lot of anglers with O-ramp parking and fishing pressure. But I tell you what, it was great for the fishing industry just in general as well as our retailers. So we rode the wave as long as we could with what componentry we had. And then um, our operations team went to work on getting more componentry in here. One of the major advantages that we had is that as long as we could keep getting carbon fiber, uh, blanks weren't going to restrict us because we make our own blanks in either a Fresno, Mexico facility or in our Park Falls uh, facility. You can come here with a tour, watch the blanks actually being rolled right right in front of you. So we weren't going to be limited by blanks. The biggest challenge in the end ended up being guides. So specifically uh, guides on that higher end series uh, with, with Legend Elite, the titanium frame guides were more difficult to come by as we got towards the end in regards to uh, service which, or um, in regards to just creating absolutely new product. One of the things we did not do uh, during the COVID time is that we relied heavily on our 3D printing capabilities here internally to be able to continue new product development where I, I share the, the frustrations um, to some degree that other Rod companies have shared with us that they had to halt some product development during that time. We were able to really keep going for the most part, as long as we had good planning in place and everybody in regards to operations and purchasing and everybody was on the same page, we could keep going as good as we could. Don't get me wrong. We did have supply constraints, but we worked through them the best we could. And being that you are here in the U.S., um, which is incredible. I mean, in today's world, I, I don't see that many rod manufacturers made in the U.S., but maybe I don't know. Maybe there is some other ones out there, and I'm sure there is. You can kind of control your own destiny at that point. Yeah. You know, the at the end of the day, um, if we all, you know, all just keep our nose to the grindstone and all rod, all rod manufacturers keep focused on building the best product they can for the angler. Specifically, when musk, with muskie growing and the number of people, nine plus million anglers, more more anglers that got involved in fishing during the uh, the COVID uh, period where they couldn't, you know, play sports or you know do something else. Uh, we've got enough anglers out there to service, and we've got enough uh, enough inspiration to challenge ourselves and each other to build good products. Yeah, absolutely. And I would encourage anybody listening right now that they need to go do that tour. Um, I was out there last summer. It's incredible. You will definitely uh, enjoy that whole process and, and actually get to learn a little bit more about rods. One of the things that, uh, that I know Gavin just brought this up, he talked about telescopic and kind of some of the reasons why, and that's all due to shipping, obviously. But, uh, that's one difference that I've seen in, in the last year. And then let's talk more in depth about the grasp. Yeah, absolutely. So one of the challenges with musky fishing that I know we've all, always experienced is fatigue. A lot of times you're fishing those 10 to 16 hour days. And, and if you're traveling to a destination place, you want to be able to fish those two, three, four, or five days in a row without feeling like uh, you were hit by a bus. The challenge there was to develop a real seat that uh, took a lot of fatigue off your wrist and forearm. It, we went through quite a few iterations um, and then we eventually looked at the 
firearms industry because that's obviously been out out in the world for a, a long time, utilizing that pistol handle shape to really uh, come up with geometries that allowed our anglers to have full control over the rod as well as providing them enough leverage for setting the hook and, and keeping control of the fish while they're fighting them. Uh, that was the main goal. Uh, like I said, I bet uh, I printed maybe at most 50 parts. I mean, it took quite a while to get those intricate geometries done, going back and forth, making minor changes, which leveraging 3D printing obviously helped, helped allow us to do that. We weren't making those purchases every time a change was made. Uh, we weren't modifying a tool, which is nice. And then actually leveraging 3D printed, 3D printed parts to build test rods and get those out to our pro, out in our pro staff stand to to help quantify or uh, qualify the geometries we're trying to push forward with. Well, I had the uh, opportunity to do some of that testing, Gavin, and <laughs> I'll tell you right now, Chase and I just discussed it last week in the podcast. I know I don't know how we ended up there, but Chase was on uh, last week and we were discussing kind of what we were able to uh, do last year with those rods and the graphs. I, I would say it's so amazing to me how many people would get in the boat, whether you're guiding or you're filming or doing whatever we're doing. And the first thing they say, I don't know if I'm going to like that. And I'll be honest, I was one of those. I, I didn't know that I was going to like it. I remember the, the first day, Gavin, when you showed up here at my place to go fishing and I seen all those graphs and I'm like, eh, I don't know. But within 10 to 20 minutes, every angler that I put that rod into their hands absolutely loved it and looked back at me and said, I'm getting one of these. I mean, it is that incredible. And it does definitely take the fatigue off your arm, your wrist. Um, if you think about it, I use the example of doing like regular weightlifting, like curls versus hammer curls. We're naturally built to do a hammer curl. We're naturally built to hold that reel and the grasp achieves that goal. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, fatigue is the last thing we want when we're out there fishing, trying to, especially if, you, if you're on a bite burning blade, you don't want to get wore out and miss the opportunity of catching another fish. Uh, what, what that reel seat allows you to do is fish that how you want to fish to be successful. And from my standpoint, from the, uh, the R&D and the development and the strategy for Muskie going forward is that uh, when we went and Gavin uh, created the first prototypes of this thing, and I don't even want to put a date on it. I'll totally screw it up because I know there were ones out there that Gavin was screwing with that he had made on his own well before I ever saw one in the, in the blue skies side of things. Just failure in the grass was not an option. Like, it was just not an option. A lot of things had to come together for grass to work out the way it did. Uh, one of them that our anglers will never see is the epoxy that is between the blank and the real seed itself. You know, when you create your ability to control uh, fish both side or control techniques both side, you can't have any, you, you got to make sure your epoxy or construction process is on par um, to be able to keep that real seed firmly secured, not only for, you know, year one, but we put a 15-year warranty on our uh, Legend Tournament series. So we expect that not only in year 15, but in year 20, that this real seat is going to perform and do what it needs to do. The other thing is the coating. Now, one thing we couldn't do in here with 3D printed stuff is we couldn't, we couldn't replicate a coating. Now, we've got extreme skin coating. Um, you know, I, I won't comment on if that was best or not, but the coating that we, we derived or we landed on took a while. And you have to have a coating on the grass that complements the whole the whole aspect of being able to control that rod in your hand uh, over time. So all of these things had to come together. Just failure was not an option with grass during the, you know, the two plus years before uh, when it was concepted to when it was released. It was just, I want to drive it forward that that was one of the main points is that failure is not an option with one of our rods and failure is not an option uh, during testing with any of our seats. I know that I've been able to be involved in some of that, and I feel uh, 
I, I appreciate that uh, I have that time to be able to, to help you with R&D, and I respectfully try to give you good input back with that. So it's been incredible. And maybe you guys can talk about how those, those rods get tested and how you utilize your pro staff. And that's what's really, truly important. Just starting out on the R&D side, we do some uh, structural destruction testing. Tongue twister there. Just to see how much force it would take to break some of the designs uh, that we're pushing on or trying to leverage to see exactly if it'll meet what we think this, the amount of force that it will hold up to. We start there. If everything seems structurally sound, uh, we make sure or work to optimize the fitments or whatnot to make sure we won't have any uh, clearance issues between the nut, push nuts and the real seat. And then typically from there, it's building test rods and getting them out in our, our pro staffers' hands to whale away on them for months at a time so we can get, get them approved that way, basically real-life situations to, to qualify them before we start pushing them through production. The other thing, too, is our guide staff plays an integral role in this as well. We've got a guy that lives out in the woods here right outside of Fifield and tell you what he can be he can be tough on stuff and i sincerely enjoy uh working with him because he puts a lot of clients in the boat with the amount that he fishes the amount that gavin fishes the amount of uh, people like you brad that really put time in on the water the, the biggest nightmare we could ever have is for have a, a staffer that would take a rod out and then use it and say oh this is the greatest thing ever it's not the type of people you're looking to work with because it takes time on the water with these things to find out, okay, are we going to develop a blister here? Uh, is the real seat going to come loose? You know, what's going to happen when I drop it on the floor of the boat five, six times? Uh, you know, there's, there's things that happen that we with anglers, we as anglers just deal with um, that the rods need to be able to deal with. So the best criticism we get back comes during that R&D phase. That's because there's no expectation in our really in our company that we use anglers as R and D people. Um, we have the ability to test rods early, test blanks early because we can go back and, and build a blank literally overnight and be able to get it on the water really quick. So we, we don't have to, we don't have to wait for a shipment to get in or something like that to happen to, to be able to get test rods out there. We can test a lot more times. And when Gavin mentioned 50 versions of printing, uh, you can't just print a real seat and then judge it on a rod. It's got to be mounted up or with a rod. It's got to be fished. Uh, there's got to be hours uh, put into it to evaluate that product to make sure it's, it's actually really ready to go to market. Yeah, it definitely seems to make a difference. In today's world, it seems like so many companies, not, not just rod companies, I'm talking about outside of even the rod companies, but the public is the R&D department. And I just, I can't fathom doing it that way. I know Musky Man Tackle that I own, um, we try to test things at least one full season. And sometimes in some cases, it's, it's multiple years before the public gets it and, and touches it. But that's an incredible side to, uh, to your business and definitely uh, hats off for that. Yeah, we're working on a, um, a project right now that will be, I won't put a date on it when it's coming out, but it's, it's been three years in the making and we're working on another project on the bat side that has been well over three years in the making now that we actually scrapped and fired up the burning barrel in the back parking lot and threw everything in there. We had of it because we were so frustrated with the project at one point in time. But again, this is all driven by you know, grow, growing pains and this desire to, to build really good product and challenge ourselves, not just, for the St. Croix side of it, because Gavin, myself, Jason Brunner, people here internally are anglers too, and we want the best product uh, for people that, that choose to go fishing with us. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm going to kind of put you guys on the spot, but I want to know what your, say, top five, maybe it's three, maybe it's seven. What are the key points that uh, St. Croix offers that you guys truly believe make the difference? Number one is when you come to see us on a tour um you're going to probably be taken on a tour by a gentleman named ken bonus ken bonus is our tour guide has been our tour guy and will be our tour guide until the day he decides to retire but he's going to walk you past a room of people that are actually just outside of my office here 
And it's anywhere from 10, 15 people that they're anglers, but they wear a headset, they sit behind a computer, and they work with our retailers, and they work with our anglers that call in, and they have a problem when they have a problem. Because things do happen on the water, and that's why we have our accelerator warranty program to take care of people like that. These people are kind of the, the true example of behind-the-scenes heroes that make St. Croix who St. Croix is. And I admire what they do every day because that room, although it's growing in size to match how our brand is growing during COVID, a lot of people fished, a lot of people shut rods and car doors, a lot of people shut rods and boat lockers, uh, a lot of people had instances where rod failed and they kind of took it on the chin for a while because they got behind. Now they're catching up. It is happening. I want the general fishing community to understand that that fishing or the amount of people fishing really grew at that time. The St. Croix brand really grew at that time. Those people that sit in our, our guide center are still just as dedicated. Uh, the other thing is, is that, you know, like I mentioned, we're going to turn 75 years old here in, in June. Uh, and the Schluter family who still it remains in complete ownership of St. Croix um, is it will be there. They're here. They're in my product meetings on Tuesdays from 11 to noon. Um, they're in other product meetings for other things we got going on. There's been a lot of rumors out the fishing community that we've been bought by other large people. It is not true. <laughs> it just, it just isn't. I think uh, on the side, we all get jokes about this. There's a lot of people call us up and say, Oh, Hey, we heard you guys were bought. Congratulations. Not true. We're still the same, same family owns us, um, that, live in areas of the country, not necessarily just in Park Falls now, but where they can keep on fishing and enjoy fishing just as they have when they were here in Park Falls. The last thing is really our blank materials. It is, it's, it's interesting when you hear other companies brag about buying a complete set of legend tournaments and cutting them up, um, trying to try to replicate them for a series that they're going to bring out. Uh, that's really an honor. And although, you know, it's, we're competitive people, don't get me wrong. It still, you know, gets us all, all riled up. Our materials are really something special, and it's taken a lot of time to, to, to develop those materials. Credit to our engineering team with, with Brunner leading that charge, and then Gavin as well to develop SC2, SC3, SC4+, SC5. But good luck replicating those because it's not as simple as it looks. And... SC4 Plus was one of the reasons that we were able to knock anywhere from three quarters of an ounce to an ounce and three quarters off of the complete legend tournament line, be it bass, inshore, uh, muskie, walleye, or pike, when we first brought those out. That doesn't come easy, and it doesn't come certainly by uh, trying to copy somebody else's blanks. Definitely huge, Ryan. I mean... <laughs> It's remarkable what you guys have done, and and it's funny if if somebody hasn't been to Park Falls, you look at Park Falls and you just go, "Wow, what what's here?" It's Saint Croix. I mean, that's basically what it is there. Correct? We're we're here. I mean, uh, you know, we do tours in our Mexico facility. I mean, it's just it is. We're here. I mean, that we are we are what you see. There is nothing behind the curtains that we're trying to hide from anybody. I, I challenge everybody, come on up and see us. If you don't fish our rods, I just want people to have the appreciation for the the, 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 true, the true craftsmanship that happens to build a fishing rod that you, that you have in your hands. You know, from the guide winding that happens, to the rolling the carbon fiber over the mandrel, the handle assembly, to alignment, to paint, to making it all come together where we can wholeheartedly bring uh, a product that we're proud of. Um, to either direct to an angler or directly to a retailer where they can put it on a rod rack and be proud that they have a nine foot six long shining blue rod on a rack. Yeah, absolutely. It makes total sense. I would like it, like you said, I would encourage everybody to go up there and take that tour. I know it's mind blowing really. And to think that, uh, in that small community and what you guys are accomplishing and, and it's huge. St. Croix is, is remarkable. That's for sure. Is it normal for you guys, you know, you both talked about it in the very beginning. Is it normal for somebody to start at St. Croix at kind of a lower level and work their way through? And I think there's kind of some key components to that as well, in the sense that you, you pretty much know the whole route to, to success based off of building each one of those rods. I mean, 
you said it, Ryan. I know Gavin said it. Um, you worked your way up into those positions. Is that normal? Uh, yeah, it is. I mean, we've got two shining examples. Um, a, a gentleman that is now going to lead, um, be our main pro staff contact, uh, Christian Simpkins in here internally started really with his interest in fishing, starting his own, uh, bass club in, in college and wanting a job at St. Croix, working in the guys center, really being in the trenches with our anglers and with our retailers. And now he was just named, uh, our pro staff. Uh, coordinator as well as our our show uh, coordinator uh, Gavin Gavin probably has the best example of a, a new gentleman that's coming on board and I'll, I'll give it over to Gavin to explain that I'll touch on him coming up here but I think part of that too Brad is a lot of our processes the materials are pretty specialized they're really not common uh, processes or materials that are are common within other industries I mean, arrow shafts are, are fairly close to uh, fishing rods. But if you look at the tapers or how small diameters get to, uh, there's a, there are a lot more intricate details that have to go into, say, just sanding those raw parts. I think that, that has something to do with it, learning all the intricate details of the process, the business of St. Croix. That, that might be part of, too, why we have to start most people low and they they work their way up into the into the food chain but um yeah i actually had an individual when i when i started at st Croix, i was probably only only here for maybe six months actually had a, a young high school student reach out to me ask what my suggestions were for pursuing a degree to potentially become a rod designer uh get into the the fishing industry and I gave them quite a few options, um, and come full circle, we're actually hiring them here this summer. So it, it's pretty amazing that it worked out that way, but it, it's also exciting in, in that bit, too. Yeah, that's super cool. So can you guys kind of give me a better idea, you, you know, the Mexica, Mexico plant versus the U.S. plant, and how much U.S. versus uh overseas i mean is that something you guys are willing to talk about yeah brett i'll take that one and then gavin can also add a lot to that um in the muskie community in regards to rod uh premier is still made in park 12 obviously one of that premier muskie is most definitely part of that family that's been around 66 years now okay and then from there we go right to legend tournament muskie which is most definitely built here in park falls and then legend elite that is all built here uh, in Park Falls. For our Fresno St. Croix South facility, Mojo Muskie is the highest end series that's made down there. And then Triumph Muskie is made there as well, as well as Mojo Muskie Trolling. Those three series. So it's kind of a three in three uh, approach um, of what, what is made where. Mojo Muskie, super popular, very popular price point. That is the most popular series that comes out of St. Croix South. And then Legend Tournament Muskie is the most popular musky series that comes out of St. Croix North. With that being said, Ryan, um, I'm curious, you know, when you, when you take the step off of the premier line to uh, what are, what are all those additional steps? I know Gavin explained and he probably talked over pretty much everybody's heads when he's talking about the componentry of, of each blank. What are the, the primary differences between those rods that really would encourage somebody to step up to the plate? Yeah, the biggest difference um, between Triumph and Premier Muskie is going to be the just the size of the series. So you're going to be able to get a little bit more specialized in your technique with with Premier rather than Triumph. Uh, Triumph is a is a four skew series that gets you into the basics of technique. You know the 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 real core. I call it kind of a, a tongue in cheek because there's been some trophy fish that have been caught on Triumph Muskie. I mean, you can go out and have a heck of a day on Triumph Muskie, don't get me wrong, but if you want to get a little bit more specialized, that's where you go into Premier. And Gavin illustrated that and talked about that really well with uh, the Premier, the rubber rod. Now, going from Premier to Mojo Muskie, uh, you're going to a rod that's lighter with Mojo Muskie. You're going to a split grip handle design. You're going to wind grips. Uh, you're going to palming style reel seat. You're going to, again, more technique-specific rods. 
in that bunch with, with Mojo Muskie. And then when we make the move from Mojo Muskie to Legend Tournament Muskie, obviously you're going to go, you're going to have a grass real seat on it. You're going to have the option in some models of a, a split or a full grip, or you're going to have kind of those hybrid longer rods with the Premier Muskie, uh, Premier Muskie, that rubber rod handle that we've adopted into some other other length powers and actions rather than just one in Premier. You're going to get telescopic rods. You'll also get telescopic rods in Mojo Muskie as well. Then from Legend Tournament Muskie going to Legend Elite, scaled down skews, but a much lighter rod, palming seat, uh, just a kind of like a upper, it, it's kind of like a legacy purchase. Most anglers that I know that purchase Legend and Fleet Muskies, yeah, they, they they purchase them to fish the living dickens out of them, but they also purchase them because this is a flagship rod they have in their series. Uh, it's a rod that they may retire at some point in time, not sell off, put it over the mantle, keep it around because it is just, it's that legacy type purchase with Legend Elite Muskie. And I would say that it probably ties into the fatigue side as well as like we were talking about the grasp, but you start getting lighter as you move up those series as well. Yep. That's a really good, good, simple one to, th- to think about as you go up those series, you definitely go from one of the more heavier uh, rods with Triumph and Triumph or Triumph and Premier all the way up to uh, Legend Elite Muskie, which is, there's not a whole lot of weight difference now, especially with SD4 Plus between Legend Tournament Muskie and Legend Elite, but it's still a lighter rod at the end of the day. Yeah, I mean, most anglers probably don't consider that being a huge factor, but when you do make that change or you make that step up to the next level, you definitely do notice it, that's for sure. So I've been taking some notes here as I listen to you guys talk. One thing I get asked on occasion is, you know, full grip versus split grip. I feel it's a personal preference thing. Is there a benefit or a, or, or something like that between the two of them, or is it simply just a personal preference thing? I think some of it's personal preference. Um, if you look at the Legend Tournament series, the, the newly reimagined series, what we try to do, Jeff, is actually the handle style type to the technique that people would use with each rod. So you might have a, a 7.6 heavy fast, so a jerkbait rod in, in both full handle or split grip. We provide that for a few models. And then we looked at, say, like the rubber rod, 90XHF. That has a full handle just because of the technique and, and the amount of uh, wear and tear that technique puts on your body. We figured that would benefit our anglers a little bit more effectively than having a split handle. You know, it's amazing to me how many different anglers are, when you go to the split grip, when you're working rubber, like Gavin just said there, there's a lot of guys that say that they look in the mirror the next day and their whole side is bruised because that rod is rubbing against them, where the cork doesn't seem to be quite abusive. But I don't know. I I don't deal with that. I don't know why, but maybe I'm calloused. Maybe that's the 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 ticket to it. Well, I guess on the sales side of it, what do you guys see as far as that goes? Is there a preference from the angler based off of sales? Based off of sales, split grips do prevail in comparison to full corks. But with, say, comparing it to another segment of anglers' bass side, uh, it's way more skewed split grip. Musky anglers are a little more 50-50 or, you know, 65-45. I mean, it's, it's not near as, as a big of a split in comparison between splits and pulls. Huh. That's interesting. I'm, I'm definitely, uh, I prefer full grip rods for myself personally. I've used them. I've used both, but I definitely prefer that. So that, that's interesting. I, I find that to be, you know, fascinating. I guess what, how, how I, I guess I think that my way is right, but obviously the, the public generally thinks that my way is not. <laughs> hey, it's all right. The main thing is we want our anglers to be comfortable and, and enjoy fishing. Yeah. I mean, it might be, you know, technique specific, like Brad was saying, or like you were saying, if you're ripping rubber, you know, I want that full cork. And I typically, I mean, there, there'll be, it's pretty rare that I'll spend a day on the water where I won't have some sort of rubber bait on at some point. It's like I said, it's gotta be, you know, the fish have to be definitely telling me something else in order for me to get away from rubber at some point. I'm not saying I'll do it all day, but I mix in rubber every single day on my, on the water. So that might skew it a little bit too. All right, guys, the next question I have would be, you know, warranty. One thing I've always heard is, you know, about St. Croix's warranty. You want to talk about that process a little bit? 
Yeah, so with Mojo Muskie and Premier Muskie, as well as Triumph, those are five-year warranty rods. And then when the step is made to Legend Tournament Muskie, that's when you move up into a 15-year warranty rod. Now, but the St. Croix warranty is that the 15-year warranty we have, as well as the five-year, is a, is a transferable. So, for example, if you get a rod in year two and you find out, hey, I don't really, this isn't my, my thing anymore, whatever you sell that rod to, is that warranty is going to pick right back up again. Also, too, um, you will very rarely see St. Croix rods discounted. We really give our best price to our angler and our, our dealers do right off the bat. And that is to make sure that when you get ready to sell that rod, if you want to go from a Premier to a Mojo Muskie, or if you want to go from a Mojo Muskie to a Legend Tournament Muskie, or Legend Tournament Muskie to an Elite, you're still going to get a high price value or a fair price value on that rod when you put it up for sale. Uh, you'll never see St. Curry do a buy one, uh, get one Muskie rod. It just, it just doesn't, it's not in our nature. The other thing is too, is talking about with the, or the, the transferable warranty. Okay. Say that person gets to year 15 or 16 and they have a problem with the rod. There's always things that can happen internally. If you call in, talk to our guide center and, and explain your situation. And I'm not going to speak for each, each scenario, but we have a very understanding group of people that really follow our idea and our mindset. And that is to always get the angler back on the water as fast as possible. I'd like to meet the person that hangs onto a musky rod for 15 years. Brad, Gavin, Ryan, have either oh, have any of you guys done it or or not? I personally have not, but I have met a bunch of them uh, that walk in through the factory store. It is you would be very surprised. Um, you know, we have a, had a series that was out there for a while. Avid musky. Um, there's some premier muskies that anglers still fish. It's it's kind of fun to watch them walk in the door. Um, because, you know, they'll be bringing in a six or six and a half or six, eight musky rod, you know, and then it, they've got so many great stories to talk about it. You know, they caught this fish here and they caught this fish with their, with their grandson or their grandson caught this first fish or their granddaughter caught their first musky on it. There's some rods out there that have, they've seen some use and they're well over 15 years old. I'm guilty, Jeff. I have tons of rods that are 20 plus years old. Me too, uh, Jeff. Carrie Scheinman in as well. If I get a rod, I'm not going to sell it. And unless it breaks, uh, and I'm probably a bad example, I'm not the warranty guy. If I have an issue, I'm not going to send it back. I'm not going to worry about the warranty. I'm going to buy another one. That's just the way I operate. In my mind, it's quicker just to buy another one. Or in my case, I have one that I just pull out of the boat or pull off the shelf or whatever. But I always have tons of rods and I think it's important to have a bunch of them and it allows me to uh, fish the way that I like to fish. So I won't disagree with anything that you said, and I'm not the warranty type guy either. If I break it or it breaks or whatever, I'll go buy a new one. Typically, like you said, I'm, I'm quickest way back on the water, but like, do you actually have them in your rotation that are 20 years old that you use still during a regular season or do you just collect them? Cause I have a pile of rods. I'm not saying I, I think I probably still have my very first musky rod I ever bought was a St. Croix Avid because I always saw the ads on the back of the Musky Hunter magazines way back in the day. And so I still have it around, but I don't use it. I haven't used it or looked at it or seen it in forever. I don't sell stuff. I just keep collecting it. I have piles of piles of it, but do you actually use it? Yeah, I still have some rods in the mix that, uh, that are probably 17 to 18 years old. Mm-hmm. So... I don't know. It's amazing to me. I, I talk to different anglers, especially guides, and, and a lot of guides, they seem to destroy everything weekly. Um, for whatever reason, I'm not one of those guys. And even with my clientele that I have in the boat, we don't seem to break stuff. I mean, don't get me wrong. Every once in a while, somebody will step on something uh, like a rod and, and it'll break, right? But for the most part, um, I don't see those issues in my boat. Gavin, you have to have seen some dinosaurs with uh, with your proximity to the factory store and then also for as long as you lived in the greater Park Falls area. Yeah, I mean, definitely seems like there's a lot more people that just eventually upgrade and they keep those older rods around. There's definitely that older demographic that's still around that has the, the 15, 20-year-old rod that they walleye rod that they, they can't get rid of or they can't quit or stop fishing with. but 
Uh, I think for the most part, it seems like if there's something new and innovative, people start to cling more towards that, especially if it helps them become more, more successful on the water. All right, guys, if somebody's looking to get more information on St. Croix, check out the Saint, the whole lineup because not only do you guys offer, you know, musky rods, you offer a lot of other products as well. What's the best way for a consumer to find out more about St. Croix rods? Check us out on stcroixrods.com or either of our social media outlets, uh, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, all the typical channels you can find us on. Yeah, we're not we're not too hard to uh, hard to find. Also, seek us out uh, at the upcoming shows. All right. We want to thank both of you for taking time out of your schedule to talk St. Croix Rods with us. And we want to thank our listeners for putting up with us for another episode. Hopefully we'll see a few of you in Chicago this weekend. I know show season kicks off and, you know, hopefully we'll see a few out there. And if you do stop by in the booth, you know, say hi to us. And Brad's not too shy. I'm not too shy. And I know Carrie's a little shy, but not that shy. So stop on out, see us in Chicago, and we'll catch everybody with a new episode next week. <laughs>